right now. Today is the day that you choose to change the rest of your life. It is time to turn your setback into the greatest comeback story ever told. And nobody is more capable than you. This is the Ranting Weight Watcher Podcast, the future number one weight loss podcast in the world. I am your host, Donato Russo. I hope you enjoy the show today. If this is your first time here and you enjoy the show, please subscribe and spread the word of the Ranting Weight Watcher Podcast wherever you are and to whomever will listen. If you'd like to connect on social media or wherever else, Check out my Linktree page, Linktree forward slash The Ranting Weight Watcher. Let's connect today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 114 of The Ranting Weight Watcher podcast. I have a packed show today. Let's not waste time. Let's get into this. Journey updates. Well, we are down this week, minus 2.6 pounds for the week. So there was no need to implement the plan changes that we had. It was only two gains in a row. For the month of October, we finish off down a total of 0.4 for the month. Total loss since January 2019 is 100%. 55 pounds. Pounds remaining to get to milestone 175. 20 pounds. And the pounds remaining to get to milestone 200. 45 pounds. So this just goes to show you, this is a perfect example of why I do things the way I do them. I never make a change unless my journey shows me a trend. And how do you dictate that there's a trend? There's got to be at least three gains in a row. That's a trend. So one gain, I don't change anything. Two gains, I still don't change anything. I wait for three gains. Now the week leading up to weigh-in number three, I always analyze and see what can be changed. So that on weigh-in day, If I do gain a third time, there is preparation for what is the actual change that could be made. And I had two changes I was ready to make. One of them was to go back to the diabetic plan as I was on before, which didn't make any sense to me, but it was there. It was on the table. The other was to eliminate some things that I had added since I got off the diabetic plan. Now, I had added some things that I had, I got rid of when I joined the diabetic plan, which was to put guacamole in a sandwich every day for lunch. You could buy these, they're like uh, travel containers, like to-go cup of guacamole. I think it's made by a company called Sabra. I don't, I'm not sure. I think it's Sabra Singles is what they're called. You can buy guacamole, and they even have hot guacamole, and that's my favorite one, the one that has the hot peppers in it. That one tastes phenomenal on a 
chicken sandwich instead of mayo, the guacamole and these it's little it's like three points per container. And so but instead of mayo, you put this on there and it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So I got my chicken sandwich on wheat and then I add the guacamole. It's a, it's a oh, it's just a great sandwich. But I decided to add that back. And along with a few other things, there's on a few random nights here and there, I wanted rice with my dinner. So I added a cup of rice to my dinner. I wouldn't have done so on the diabetic plan. So that was the other idea was to whatever I had added because I was no longer on the diabetic plan, that was just going to be off the table. And the other idea was to just go back to the diabetic plan altogether. But I don't have to implement either of those changes now because there isn't three gains in a row. When you are consistent in the work that you do, there is no need to panic when the scale fluctuates. You will notice a sense of calm and rather than a sense of panic. If you are confident in the work you're doing, if you do the work the fundamentals of the plan you've chosen. In my case, it's Weight Watchers. I do the work of Weight Watchers, the fundamentals. I do it with such consistency that when the scale fluctuates, it automatically feels like an anomaly. So because it feels like an anomaly, I wait for three. Because three would mean consistent gains. Now a change needs to be made. A change is warranted. And I developed all of this because I was changing so often in the beginning. Every time I had a gain, not only did it ruin my weekend, I would make changes just for the sake of making changes. Because weigh-in day is every seven days, we get this mentality that what I've done the last seven days gives me the result on the next weigh-in day. And it's just not the case. There is nothing that supports it. If this was the case, then you can make an argument that every time you lose, when you had a bad week, I mean like you ate crazy and then you step on the scale expecting a huge gain and you have a loss instead. That Those weeks are proof that what you've done the last seven days isn't resulting on that weigh-in. I've said this a thousand times and I can't say it enough. There is no guarantee what you do in seven days from your last weigh-in day is going to show up on the next weigh-in day. There are zero guarantees, but we are all programmed to think this way because it's the next week, it's the next Saturday, whatever day it is, and it's just the next thing that you do. This isn't the case. Anyway, let me get into my topic here today. I want to take a re- I want to make a reflection here. I want to go back 6 months. Yesterday, October 31st, was the culmination of a 6-month journey. Bear with me. I know so many of you have heard this in the previous episodes, but I feel like I need to recap in order to move forward. In May, I was asked to become a certified trainer in the new software 
that my company was implementing company-wide, corporation-wide. And that software is called Epic. So that was chosen to become a certified trainer in Epic for the department, for the work that I do in the department. I thought about it and I decided, okay, fine, I'll do it. Now, June 6th was the start of that journey. That was the beginning of my training. I go in there excited, enthusiastic to, to learn something new and to be on the ground running, you know, to be like the, the Marines, you know, the first line of defense getting sent out. I go into that classroom on June 6th. Very little expectations. But probably about two hours into it, I learned something that t absolutely terrified me. And immediately, two hours into my first day of training on June 6th, I wanted to quit. I wanted zero part of this entire journey. And that reasoning for that is that the training involved a lot of reading aloud. Reading out loud is something that has been a fear of mine since, I mean, stemming back to fourth grade. I was bullied in fourth grade. I just wasn't really good at reading out loud. I could read, just reading out loud, I wasn't good at. And in the classroom, we had a teacher that would assign a paragraph per kid. So I would always count the kids, see the direction she was going, and figure out which paragraph was my paragraph. And I was so terrified of this that I would go directly to my paragraph and I would read it over and over and over again to the point where I basically had it memorized. Because by the time it came to me, I did not want to sound like I couldn't read out loud. Because I just couldn't deal with the bullying that came along with it. I wanted to quit because of that. I wanted no part of reading out loud to the people I would be teaching this information to. But the one thing that kept me going was they asked me to do this. Because they knew I could do it. So I, stick, I stuck with it. And I learned a lot about myself in that time. And on June 24th, I gave birth to a segment on this show called the Random Facts Segment, where you guys have been helping me emailing the show with random facts about nothing to do with weight loss whatsoever. I would be to give me an opportunity to read out loud so that I can get better at it. All of that came from this stemming from this journey in training. Fast forward to July 25th. I have reached the next level at this point. A teacher is born. It is my first day of teaching, July 25th. And I, am, I have gone from being the student to now being the teacher. 
I had taught everyone over and over again, became better and better, and received nothing but positive feedback about my ability to teach. As I did it, it became easier and easier, and I realized I had a paper out when I was like 13 years old, 12 years old. That's how long I've been working for someone. Never in the history of me working for someone have I enjoyed the work. Never. Even when you can talk about, now, okay, if, if being a paper boy is not a legitimate job, then when I turned 16, I started to do, be a cashier at, at the local grocery store. That was my first job. Since I'm 16, never enjoyed a single job for a single company I ever did. Until this. Teaching people how to use this software brought a something out of me that I didn't really know existed. I didn't, I, I didn't really know. To be honest with you, I didn't know how much I would ever love it. And it's the first thing I've ever loved doing for any employer. We fast forward more and we come to October 31st. It is time to go live. All of the teaching has come to an end. Everything we've all worked for. All came to fruition on October 31st. The stress was high. I didn't know what to expect. I go into work Monday morning and the perfect storm arrives. I'm going to talk about that when we come back from the break. Don't go anywhere. I now present to you the Ranting Weight Watcher Accountability Creed. If you choose this day to say this creed, you are accountable to me, the author. You are also accountable to all of those before you who have taken the creed and all of those after you who will take the creed. But most of all, you are accountable to yourself. Now recite with me the accountability creed. Nothing can stand in my way because I choose to be unstoppable. My challenges crumble in my presence because I choose strength when I am weak. My insecurities have no power over my life because I choose confidence in the face of fear. I own every last one of my mistakes because I choose growth over mediocrity. The mirror and the scale are powerless because I move forward in spite of the result. Circumstances are not obstacles because I see solutions instead of problems. The demons of my past can no longer torment me because I choose to renew my mind daily. All things are possible as long as I believe because if God is for me, who can be against me? This is the creed I declare each day 
It is about what I do, not what I say. I will learn the work that needs to be done. I will never stop, even when I've won. I will work consistently, no matter the cost. I refuse to believe that all hope is lost. I will work when I want to. I will work when I don't. I will work when they are cheering. I will work when they won't. I will work when it's easy. I will work when it's hard. The atonements that I've made are made with no regard. I will work when it's cold. I will work when it's hot. Because choices have consequences, justified or not. When I think I know it all, I will start back at one. Because regardless of what I think, the work is never done. And from this moment forward, when times are tough, I choose to believe that I am enough. And now it's time for random facts you didn't know you needed to know with the Ranting Weight Watcher. Today's random fact comes from our listener, Doug Miller. Chefs as far back as the 16th century have worn hats. Toke is the Arabic word for the hat. Think poke or joke only with a T to pronounce it correctly. Toke Blanche is the correct name for a chef's hat. The Blanche is pronounced Blanche lounge and means white the traditional chef's hat is brimless tall and stiff and white the white hat is common is a common sight in in tradition commercial kitchens and is like to be believed that white symbolize cleanliness in early days of the french cuisine the number of pleats Represented the number of recipes the chef had mastered and given and for a given food. Wearing a hat with 101 pleats meant you could demonstrate 101 ways to cook food. Those foods were typically chicken or eggs. Chef hats with 101 pleats are awarded to master chefs. Likewise, the taller the chef's hat, the more the chef knew. When you see a chef with a towering hat, know they are likely the head of the kitchen. Traditionally, height of the height of the chef's hat was meant to signify their station and rank in the kitchen. The executive chef wears the tallest hat in the kitchen, and the hats get shorter as you go down the cooking line. The height of your hat and the number of pleats indicates your position in the traditional kitchen hierarchy. And now you know. Well, thanks for that random fact, Doug. If you're wondering why I ran, read that fact, you can refer back to the beginning of this episode. But if you want to participate and you want to send in a random fact for me to read on the show, please email the show. The Ranting Weight Watcher at gmail.com. 
Again, that's the ranting weight watcher at gmail.com. Send it in, and in the subject line, make sure you put random fact or fun fact, whatever you'd like to put. And this way I know not to open it, and I'll open it when it comes time to actually record it because I want to gauge how good I'm getting at reading out loud. And this way we can have a, a whole portion where I'm not going to be editing that footage so we can gauge that. And that's all for today's random fact. Now let's get back to the show. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with me. So in the first half of the show, I reflected back of everything over the last six months that brought me to back to the office on October 31st, 2022. It was go time. It was time for all of the talk to end and to finally get into this new software we call Epic. I walked into work on Monday morning, kind of excited, kind of eh, maybe a touch nerves, not knowing what to expect, but eager was the biggest feeling I had. Eager to finally just stop with all the talking, stop with all the explaining, and finally get down and dirty with the system that everybody's been making a big deal about. On top of all this, it was Halloween. And I didn't think this would be a big deal. Now, a couple of days before we went live, they made an announcement that snacks would be provided on the day of go live. Okay, fine. Snacks are provided. I walked in that day and I was walking in. I might as well have been a new employee, right? So at this point, I hadn't returned to the office in a few years, not in a situation where I was going to be sitting with my coworkers to work as I used to or before COVID hit in 2021, whatever it was, when it basically, we all got sent home. I want to say it was 2020. I'm not sure now at this point. It feels like so long and so short ago at the same time. It's a little over two years that we got sent home. I'm back to work to work with my coworkers for the first time. Now, I had been going to different rooms and different classrooms all throughout campus of the hospital to teach people the software. But this was a little different. I was going back to work to work with my coworkers. And I got there and I saw that on the desk, because they gave us this space to work in because the room, the floor of the building we used to work in is now gone. It belongs to someone else now. So they gave us a classroom like I would teach in. They gave us one of those classrooms for my department to work in because the whole idea was that we would work together in the same room, work out all the kinks, iron out all the wrinkles. Who doesn't have access to this? Who do, what doesn't work when I click on that? And all these things. Let's work it all out. Let's take a month to do it. And then we all go back home to work from home indefinitely. 
That's the plan. Okay? I get to my desk where they asked me to sit. And I see there's, there's a care package. And in that care package, there's a whole bunch of stuff that basically says that I'm a super user and I'm here to help and all this stuff. <laughs> and they gave me like a coffee tumbler and all this stuff that just says epic all over it. And the bag is filled with a bottle of water and a bunch of snacks. I put the care package on the floor next to my, my stuff that I brought with me. And I don't really think anything of it. I don't really look at it. Now I'm sitting next to a coworker who is also a super user. She received the same care package. And so when she got into work, she started to open it and go in through it. I didn't do that. But then when, as she started pulling things out and I was seeing what she was pulling out, I got interested. So I went through it. I was okay with what I pulled out of it snack wise until I got to the peanuts. They gave like a bag of planters peanuts. Now peanuts is the one of the snacks that I, I have a weakness for. Other people are starting to arrive and one of the people finally arrives with all. I thought this was the snacks that would be provided, but someone else arrived and looked like they dumped the vending machine on a counter. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about what I used to do before Weight Watchers. I'm not really proud of this, but I did it. So it's important to talk about it. Every Monday morning before I joined Weight Watchers was one big ritual. I would be driving to work. And on my way to work, there is a pharmacy. So I would stop in that pharmacy every Monday morning. And I would probably spend between 50 and $75, somewhere in between there. Call it 60 if you want. But between 50 and $75, I would spend on snacks. All kinds of snacks. Sweet snacks, Salty snacks, you know, the cans of mixed nuts. I loved Cheez-Its. I loved, you know, those crackers, the orange crackers with the peanut butter in between them, the orange crackers with the cheese in between them. Uh, I, all kinds of snacks, pretzels, potato chips, all kinds of snacks. I would come to work and you know those big drawers at the bottom? You know, you're supposed to keep files in it. Well, my big drawer was filled with snacks every Monday morning. Now, however much money I spent on Monday, almost always by Friday, I was eating the last of those snacks. And then the whole cycle would start over again the next Monday. And it was like I needed this junk food in my life. When, this, when these people got there with the snacks and they started putting them on display, it was almost everything that I used to buy from this pharmacy sitting in front of my face. The Cheez-Its, the orange crackers with the, with the cheese in between, all of the stuff that I used to love 
all in front of my face all at once. The majority of the stuff, I was like, okay, whatever. But then I saw the little packages with the orange cracker with the cheese in the middle. And it was like an instant um, compulsion to want to grab it. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't anything. But there was an instant compulsion to want to grab a pack or two or three or four, whatever. And immediately there was like a little bit of me freaking out because I haven't felt that urge like that in God, in so long. To compulsively want to eat. Emotional eating is one thing, but compulsive eating is eating because you see it. It's not, there's no emotion involved. You see it and you have to eat it. Compulsive eating. It's like those things when you go to the store, they put all of this stuff near the cash register because it's an impulse buy. It's like, oh, let me just grab this. Let me grab this magazine. Let me grab this uh, pack of gum. Impulse buying. So this is impulse eating. No No emotion, just impulse. Sight alone is dictating that I want those crackers. And so I was ready to go out of my mind. Instantly, just from seeing the crackers. I walked away as quickly as possible. So I was, I was already triggered by the peanuts that were in the bag. And then I was even more triggered by the crackers in the little packages. Everything else on the table, I easily said no to. I did everything in my power to stay away from this area. But you had to walk by it in order to leave to go to the bathroom. You had to walk by it. And with the amount of water I drink, you, you, I mean, anybody who knows me knows that by 8 a.m., I've already drank 80 ounces of water. You know that because I require myself to finish 80 ounces of water before I allow myself my first sip of coffee in the morning. I was going to the bathroom a few times. Let's just say it like that. And I was walking by it very often. The more I walked by it, the more I wanted it. To the point where I felt like I was fighting now. I was really fighting the urge. And so, after a certain amount of time, the urge to have to go to the bathroom so often subsides because you're not drinking as much anymore. And here we go. My coworker, who was sitting next to me, she basically we were talking. We were talking about the stuff in the care package. I had made it a point to say I didn't have any intention to eat any of the snacks in that care package. I was tempted by the peanuts, but I wasn't going to eat them. So she said, well, if you're not going to eat them, can I have them? I said, you can have anything you want. I handed her the package. I said, take whatever snacks you want. Go ahead. She reached in there and she took the one thing that I was triggered by. She took the peanuts. And at that moment, it was like, it was like a weight off my back, a weight off my shoulders at that given moment. The minute she took the peanuts from me, I wasn't going to stop her. She took them, and it was like, oh, I felt like I could breathe. The power 
that all of these snacks had over me was broken. I mean, it was so bad that someone else brought Halloween candy and I was even starting to get triggered by the Halloween candy. As much as I tell you guys, it's not worth it. As any of this mass-produced bullshit is not worth eating. Yet I was triggered by it. But the minute she took the peanuts, the power was broken. The urge suddenly subsided and I felt like I could breathe. I understand if that sounds insane, but I felt like I could breathe. And suddenly it was easier to walk by and say no to the crackers with the cheese in the middle. And it was easier to walk by and say no to everything else that was already haunting me the minute I gave away the peanuts. And another thing in my head, for whatever reason, I'm sitting at a desk at a computer that doesn't belong to me and I get it in my head that I can't eat all of the snacks that I brought with me from home at this desk because that's not my computer and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, everybody's eating the snacks that they brought in at the desks that they're sitting at, at the computers. So what is what voice told me that I shouldn't eat the snacks that I brought from home with me, I don't know. When the power was broken and I gave away the peanuts, suddenly I started to think clearly. And I'm saying, everybody's eating. What makes me think I can't eat my fruit? And then the best thing that could possibly happen happens. I grab my bag and it's almost noon at this point and I would have eaten the fruit a long time ago if I was home working. I take my fruit out and I start peeling a clementine and the coworker that I just gave the peanuts to looks at me with a smile on her face, sees I'm eating fruit, and she goes, you suck. (laughs) And so at that point, it was really, the power was really broken at that point. When she saw that I was standing in the midst of all of this, managed to give away my snacks, and didn't go to the snacks, the other snacks that were provided. And I started to peel my clementine and eat it. And it was probably the best moment of Monday was when my coworker looked at me and said, you suck for me eating a healthy snack. And it just gave me the confirmation or the revelation I needed that All of this was made up in my own head that I couldn't eat my own snacks at my desk, making rules for myself in spite of being surrounded by people eating snacks at a desk that wasn't theirs, at a computer that wasn't theirs. It was all in my head. All of it was gearing me toward going to grab the thing that would cause me to feel like a failure. But instead, I gave it away. It broke the power. I started to think clearly, and I went with the snacks I had already brought with me. Sometimes, the storm is more in our head 
than actually existing. And it's us, up to us to recognize the storm, call it out for the bullshit it is, and move forward. So here I sit on Thursday night. Everything you've heard before this point was recorded Tuesday night. I have to tell you, it's been an extremely tough week. I definitely started the week strong. But I'm finishing it feeling like I went to war. Beaten, battered, and mentally drained. Of all the snacks that were on the counter, there were probably two that really triggered me, extremely triggered me. So on Thursday, when I walk into the office, almost all the snacks are gone. But of the few that remain, the two that trigger me make up part of it. The cheese crackers with the peanut butter and these Quaker chewy granola bars, they are the chocolate chip flavor. Of all of the snacks that were on the counter on Monday, those made up the majority of what remained. So at my weakest point on Thursday, I walk into work staring at these snacks that have been triggering me all week long. And I went to a very low place during this day. It was extremely difficult to continue to deal with them still being there. And I almost got to the point where I asked a coworker to just please put them somewhere and not tell me where. Literally tell everyone else, just not me. Because that's how I was feeling about it. But I can say that I made it to the end. Although I left work today, and there's still one or two packages of those crackers that remain, and still three or four of those granola bars that remain, I made it through today, which felt like my weakest day of them all. And I feel like if I would have given in today, then the rest of them would have been eaten by me tomorrow. If not, I would have finished them today. That's how I felt. The urge to compulsively eat whatever was remaining. The voices telling you did so well. You deserve this reward. You can have just one. It'll be okay. Sometimes the ability to say no is absolutely necessary for the given moment. And your ability to recognize those moments is essential to get to where you want to be. Because sometimes what seems to be a small lapse of behavior could end up being a tidal wave of problems because you 
were the final snowflake that caused the avalanche. Tomorrow when I walk into work, I hope to be stronger than I am today. I hope that when I left today, someone else took whatever was left. And it'll just be gone. And I won't have to deal with it tomorrow. I don't know that I can make another day happen like today. This journey over the last six months has taught me one thing. It has taught me how to adapt. Over and over and over again, I was pushed into a position to feel uncomfortable. And every single time I was forced to adapt or fail. And because I knew one thing above it all, I knew that no matter what, I was not going to quit. They would tell me that we are not going to choose you as a trainer before I would say I quit. Because you know what? When you finally make that decision, the final time when you walk into WW or whatever place you're going to lose that way with, and you finally say, this is it. This is the last time I'm fed up. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I walk in and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I just don't care anymore. That is when the fight begins. That is when you say, I don't care. It's not over until I win. But that's when the true war begins between you and yourself. Because most of it all is in your mind. And you have to fight the things from the deepest parts of your mind that come from years and years and years ago that you think are long gone. But they come back. They come back just when you're at your weakest moments. And it has to be you who says, no, not today, not ever, ever again. I will continue to fight. I will do whatever it takes because I value my life more than I value what is in front of me. The short time I can feel the reward from eating what is in front of me is going to be short-lived. But what I do today is going to add years and years on my life and change the trajectory of my entire family. Do what it takes to have that today. No more putting it off. I love each and every one of you. God bless you all.